Press the button, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Welcome to another episode of Snacks Packs. This episode is brought to you by the Foundation to Build the Second Titanic because we've pretty much won the war against icebergs thanks to global warming, and we can just build another one and it won't sink. So we we're won't good. smash into nothing. Now. Yeah, we'll smash into a single thing. I gotta admit though, icebergs did give a pretty good fight. They it did. Took, it took yeah. us like it took us like ninety years of humanity's combined industrial output to, to defeat. Yeah, to the melt icebergs. them all. And I bet if the the ones that, that are hard. left. The ones that are left, if we just run into them, they probably smashed to bits. They're pretty brittle. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Completely absolutely. brittle. Probably only like 10 or 15 years from the polar ice caps not being icy in the summer. Yeah, so. and then Florida just goes completely under. Oh, dude, two. That's awesome. Yeah, that's two amazing. birds, one stone. Fucking For real. Just Be icebergs. Wash Florida. Wash, give Florida a bath. That's our next foundation is the Give Florida a Bath Foundation. Um, but yeah, that's, dude, that's all my timeline that's is filled with. That's a good idea. You should put that on. <laughs> <laughs> that's all my timeline is filled with is this fucking submarine that is lost. It's, um,. Pretty nuts. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. I think we may never find it. No, I don't think so. I don't, like, it, we don't have that much stuff to go that deep. No, uh, we don't. You know what's funny? You know who'd be, like, some of the best in the world to handle this? What? Russians. Yeah? Russians have a lot of hyper-specialized submarine equipment. They build all this really weird stuff for, like, deep ocean floor recovery things, because... Because they're all their submarines are built for like shenanigans, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Just goofy shit. They're like, yeah, our submarine will drop two other submarines. Yeah, like Everyone's what? Like, Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> don't have, don't worry about it. Yeah, but yeah, they would honestly be a pretty valuable resource in this search. Um, but you I know, just, I understand why nobody's asking them. To yeah, that's fa- yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Plus, they are far away. Like, yeah, it does. T- I mean, they don't. They only have a few days. Um, yeah, I can't uh, at imagine. This point, they, as of recording right now, they have like sixteen hours. There's no, yeah, there's no way they're alive. Like dead. And the 100%. fact that your submarine is piloted by a thirty-four dollar Logitech game controller. Look, I'm pretty not, harrowing. It couldn't be. You look, couldn't at least do like a PS4 controller or like an Xbox like one. I don't know. I mean, like you know, fucking MQ9s. Reaper drones that have taken the lives of men yeah. are piloted by on Xbox Yeah, Xbox controllers. But yeah, I'm like... Something- it, turrets and, uh-huh. and all sorts of machine guns and, and like mounted emplacements, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I all just Xbox controllers. I'm just like... It's not that crazy. Yeah, no, There's it's not. There's a lot of other crazy I get it, but it. I'm like, you couldn't have like gone with a more like high-class controller, I feel like that thing is going to break apart in your hands, dude. I was like, dude. yeah, <laughs> that one's not sturdy. Yeah, not sturdy uh, at all. Not sturdy at all. To the CEO's defense, that motherfucker was on the boat. Yeah, that's fair. He had trust in what he created. I respect that. I mean, he didn't... He didn't I'm stoked that he was on the boat. Yeah. I'm like, awesome. You know, yeah. another a classic... Dude, you know how many submarines killed their inventors? That is yeah. like a, a classic ancient trope. A classic you know? submarine tale. 
Oh, it is. A tale as old as <laughs> submarine time, dude. Submarine time, yeah. Yeah, yeah for real. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, so, you know, at least he he's owning up to it. Yeah, he believed I respect in it. that. It sucked. All It's so funny, all the stuff coming out about it, though. Everyone's like, all right, let's look into this now. And they're like, oh, it's wildly unsafe. They yeah. Lawsuits about its safety. You, you don't. Know? You don't say. I love that his stepson posted that Twitter post. That, that was, was fake. It was fake. What really? Confirmed. Hold on. I'm making sure. Not that I don't believe you. I just want to see. An I article mean, you about know. It. Yeah, it's I just want to see an article. Dude, about everybody's it. doing that. That guy was just. He was just saying it. He was saying he was the stepdad. It was really or a stepson. It's just really funny. Uh oh. I've also um been reading. Oh, uh, the second installment of the three body problem, and yes, the dark forest. Yeah, the dark forest, and my Lucy Shin. My, I'm like at the Wallfacer project and stuff, and I'm like, Think I about the Wallfacers all the time. Yeah, I want a tattoo of that concept. Yeah, and like do it. my uh, my whole thing is like your your idea the 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 purpose of the wall facer project is that sofans can see and hear everything we're doing basically like you're you know there's no privacy so you got to lock it up and write anything down yeah can't write anything down can't say anything but you're having giant meetings of like this is our plan to defeat the space fleet coming in 400 years and i'm like doesn't that like kind of defeat the purpose i mean don't you think they're considering that and you're just not there yet i i guess yeah i don't know i'm just like i'm like why as far as i'm concerned the fucking oh god i just blanked on the name it's gonna blow your dick off it's gonna blow it off (laughs) i'm just like dick is gonna get obliterated obliterated dude i'm just like why are you having giant meetings about building super bombs when you're literally just giving them the information that what you guys are gonna do like you just completely negated the whole whole entire purpose of the wall facer project um, you'll see oh god you're gonna feel so silly really really oh my god yeah dude the dark that one is the best of the series and they're all really really good like there's hardly any quality difference yeah in it, but that one ooh. i feel like oh my god i feel like in the second book dasha is like less of a dickhead than he was in the first but book he grew up yeah yeah I miss Learned it, but it. I'm like, all right, yeah, that's yeah. fair, yeah. I'm like, I get it, yeah. but yeah, uh, the doctor, I forgot, I blanked on his name, the doctor who's just, like, hanging out in the woods is, like, so far. Who's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So far is the only wall facer that's, like, doing his job. He's not doing See? anything, but he's, like, doing his job of, oh, like, yeah, yeah yes. of being as unpredictable as possible. He's, like, he's my favorite character. Yeah. He's so cool. Like, in the third book, he's just... Uh, awesome it's like i don't know it's it's he inspires me to be a better man yeah it's crazy does it ever does it ever advance to when the trisolarans get here or is that in the book okay cool 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 oh yes nice 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 i like that yes oh god yes like that a lot because yeah it's awesome i remember you saying that the three body problem would be like a guide on how to deal with extraterrestrials coming to earth Dude, and that one's the coolest because they're like omnipotent and they're yeah. like wildly more advanced. Than uh-huh. us. Like that's awesome. Yeah, and almost every alien movie, they're just like you know squishy soft bags that we can shoot at. Yeah, still. here's my gun. You yeah, know? yeah, uh-huh. yeah. But this, that we're like, oh man. Yeah, they- I love thinking about that. I do think, like, I just think humans are fucking 
dirty little savages. I think yeah. we are. And, and I just don't think you could put us against the wall. You no, know? absolutely like, not. If you put us in a corner, we're going to do wacky, yeah, crazy, crazy shit. shit. You'll yeah. never <laughs> be horrible. be shocking. You'd be like, no intelligent yeah. species would ever do that. Exactly. It, yeah, it's got to fucking <gasps> exactly. give, you, give you the old razzle-dazzle. Um, yeah. But uh, the whole, like, Sofran idea of being like, oh, this particle just intercepts your uh, the particles in your particle accelerator gives you a wonky data so you'll never Ooh. advance in science i was like good god i was like that's crazy like, you can't terrorism all of our science yeah for every bit of oh, it yeah not a single all of our science not a single and, bit of science is reliable imagine now. just being a scientist and you're like oh there's my whole livelihood i'm just done everything <laughs> i dedicated my life to is gone now sweet awesome love to okay. see it all right all right sweet but, you know, that's part of it. It's awesome. I do think that is a, the great part of that story is that humanity was on one foot with its hands tied behind its back. Yeah. It's it's such a good, like, it seems impossible. And it's written so realistically. It is. It's, it's really written very good. well. Yeah. And we talked about, like, audiobooks are great, but I kind of hate the voice of the guy that's narrating Dude, the second one. Try to find another one. I might. Did you buy it or it's what? Not, it's not that bad. It's, it's like when he's not doing dialogue with a people his his narration voice sounds like he kind of sounds like an ai like reading the story uh yeah and so but when he does like narrations he's got like good accents and stuff like that i'm like all right i i I can get past that i can i can look past it but guy in the first book he do voices yeah he does he, he does like he does like uh they're pretty good he'll do like uh if the person's russian he'll do like a russian accent and i'm like this is not bad not (laughs) (laughs) pretty immersive yeah not bad at all i'm like surprises me yeah I, i wasn't sure the uh, were recorded audiobooks i was instructed not to do voices really that's fair yeah I just feel like I understand. I didn't want to. Yeah, no, I feel that. I understand. Like, wouldn't do that in the pod. Yeah, (laughs) I understand the need to not do voices, but I'm also like, it helps me differentiate between who the fuck is talking. Because when you're like, yeah, when you're like, oh, so and so said, then so and so said, I'm like, who said what now? I've got, I've got 15 hours left of the book. Um, Okay. Before it is complete, then I'm on to the next one. Uh, On to the next one. But yeah, so far, very good. Very, very good. Yeah, I'm glad you like it. I knew you would. It's, um, it is. It's really just one of the best. That's all there is to it. It's crazy, too, that it's like, I was like, the the lady who was like super weird in the first one, her, and she was the one that initially, like, has how Wong found out about the three body problem game. I like thought she was an alien, but she's not. She was just weird. I was like, just weird. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Whoops. So one part about that book that I totally identify with is I'm like, yeah, I definitely would have sided with the aliens. Yeah. I'm like, no way. They are going to destroy us. Yeah. And, and hold on. Right. I turn my Humans fan off. Humans are horrible. Quick. Humans are horrible. Uh, I'm turning my fan off. Hold on. Uh, Humans are horrible. And it's like, I already feel so hopeless about the world that I would just be like, what the fuck are we going to do? I was like, one, it's 400 years in the future. I'm not going to be around for that shit, so whatever. Um, and they're right. We blown Yeah, we this. suck. Yeah. We are, like, the worst. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they only transmit, like, their thoughts over, like, out loud, so there's no, like, lying or deception, they don't know what lying is, is pretty crazy to me. It's like, 
Oh yeah, yeah. You never. I was gonna ask if you had, if I couldn't remember if they had described them. Yeah, yeah. How they yeah. how they look and whatever look and like you know communicate broadcast their thoughts out loud. I'm like the world would be a fucking wild place if Insane. that's how I mean, people like, fucking. I think it'd be good for Excuse us. Yeah. I, I think. I mean, you know. And it's crazy because, like, to the Trisolarians, humans look like you know, like the devil. Yeah, you know, every yeah. single one of them. Uh-huh. They're like, "Wait, you lie? Yeah, yeah. Oh, what are you talking lie? about? Yeah, what does that Holy mean? Shit! Because they had that Just conversation. They had that conversation between. I think it was like one of the wall break first wall breakers who I think killed himself or whatever. But and you know their quote Lord, which is the Trisolarians, and he's like. Yeah, it's it's deception, and they're like, eh, we don't understand what that means. And he's like, yeah, okay, <laughs> how do I explain lying to you? Uh, yeah, that's crazy to me. Have you ever seen that movie, The Invention of Lying? Yeah, uh, that was a really good movie. Love that movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, it is. It's a little on the nose, yeah. as Ricky Gervais tends to get. True. But I do, I like that movie a lot. I think it's funny. Yeah, you would have very honest relationships. I'd be good for you. Yeah, very, very honest relationships. You know, I don't think there's any real argument for everybody should be able to lie. If it wasn't possible, it'd probably be awesome. Yeah, true. But I feel like, I mean, you think about the invention of lying, and you're like, what constitutes as lying? Like, does telling a fictional story count as lying because then all our movies are going to be like in the invention of lying like the invention of the bicycle or like you're just watching documentaries basically that's funny yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. True. that's true it does kind of hurt art a little yeah, bit yeah would not have any cool like fucking western uh badass or sci-fi movies but i mean as far as the human connection goes or the human condition it would be probably a good be in thing. our benefit yeah definitely in our benefit is Reagan over there unboxing small little those little Russian dolls that are inside each other? Because that's gonna like sound a like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, she's not doing that. I thought she was doing that. It sounded like you were undoing a bunch of Russian nesting dolls. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what sound we were hearing. I don't know. It was just no knocking idea. around. Uh, speaking of Russian fucking whatever, dude, that video you sent me, it was. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about that on the pod. Yeah, heroin. The, I sent Snacks uh, a video of Ru- Ukrainian special forces got in a Russian trench from behind. Undetected. And, and it's a helmet-mounted cam of a man clearing that place, and, like, it's three feet away shooting. Yeah, I, I've seen and it. it's, you know, ignoring the vicarious bloodlust that we all have, uh, the it's extremely rare footage. Nothing like that has ever come you out. Will, yeah, you will never see footage like that. In, it's never Footage happened. like that exists behind a classified yes, wall. Yeah. You will never yeah, see yeah. footage that like that video. Senators have seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You will never see <laughs> footage like that. Yeah, not not on the not the common man. Because, like, especially a lot of the footage that came out of Afghanistan was like you were fighting at a distance because there's no there's, yeah. there's no vegetation the stuff like that to hide never it. Showed yeah. people on. No, you were it used to be a thing in the combat footage places videos, especially like even ISIS ones. Yeah. They'd be like they would mark specifically a combatant scene, you yeah. know, cuz yeah. it's it's that's crazy. Every video was people shooting it at a building. Yeah, or know, like or, a mountain or, or something. A hill. Yeah. 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 
that shit you we were you're looking at people's souls leave their bodies yeah it is and like it's they they snuck in so these dudes are caught off guard and confirmed that one of those dudes was a famous russian mill blogger really was it was actually him who had been killed in that trench no shit in that video holy fuck yeah, like he was, he was a you know classic propagandist, supported the war. Yeah. you know, said the Ukrainians are Nazis. He was in the trenches with them, and he is on video getting shot. Damn, he shouldn't have had a gun. He shouldn't have picked. Yeah, it up. should not and have picked a gun up at all. He is shot holding a gun on the. Oh video. my fucking! So, yeah, so you're like, okay, well, well, I'm yeah, you're, you're you pick up a gun, you're a combatant. That's what it is. Yeah, that's it. That's and, exactly and like, true. Yeah, the the war is shitty and it's fucking terrible. But like the amount of footage that is you're coming out journals. of it, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is unreal like we are living i know like a lot of people don't give a shit about it but like we're living in a time where like we're getting a first person view of war which has never happened never happened oh yeah night we turns out it sucks like the video yeah a little bit it really Uh, is like Uh, dude like it's you know watching no very rarely in movies do people get right how someone looks when they get shot it's always like a dramatic. Yeah. Oh, the bullet ripped through me and caused me to go. It's not. Li- it's not <sighs> like that. It's. It's no. just they fall just and out. that's it. Yeah. It, it, there's, there's no. Uh, there's no like falling backwards and stumbling around. It's just literally. Because a lot of people don't get like the hydrostatic shock thing. Like the the bullet is going into your body so fast. As, I mean, this only happens at a high enough velocity. So it happens with rifles, yeah, pistols, but. It creates a shockwave in the liquid in your body, and that will shoot up through your veins. It shoots up through your body, and it, it just lights out. You're yeah. just done. You just die like that. And it's so like they don't have time to react. No, well. Even, they don't feel it. No, it no, just, no. It's just you're all gone. Way through the body, everything is out. done. It's crazy. I mean, it's it's soulless in the fact that like probably most of those guys in that video did not feel themselves get hit. It was like. They lit them up because those dudes were lighting no. them up so quickly. It was like immediately, as soon as Dude. eyes on, they're fucking. Done. I made me. I was like, "Holy fuck!" Being in a trench, man. Dude, I just, trench warfare is anxious. Yeah, and like how fast you have to be. Yeah, so fast. Literally, quickly li- doing that with a revolver and oh. like a club. No, holy uh-huh. fuck! They, you know they've got six mags on their chest and 38 bullets yeah. in a mag. Yeah. Back then, they you had six and your biceps. Yeah, that's what you, <laughs> that's what you fought in the trench fuck. with, dude. Um, I can't imagine someone clearing a trench with like a trench gun in World War. Like I know, dude, oh, it'd holy, mess. it'd be a fucking mess. But like, You're yeah, like, you'd be like watching people like explode, explode left in right. front of you. Like, all that's your job. You don't come home after. All that. I could think when I saw that video was like, you're never. Yeah, you're never gonna be like, never normal. You, I couldn't play video games. No, too, hell no. Like shit. part of you is left in that trench. Like part of you yeah. stays there and never comes home from it. And like. It's just, I don't know, man. I've never seen, like, I've watched a lot of combat footage. I've watched a lot of shitty, like, gore footage. But, like, that video made me be like, oh, like, this is. It's horrible. Uh, yeah, this is not good. Yeah, but that's it's, it's horrible. That's that dude's job. That's what he does. He's fucking, he is a. He does it pretty Very well. well. He is a fucking yeah. body stacker. Uh, just, yeah, but seeing the light leave. So, like, that dude, the last guy that. Hold on. The last guy who got, you know. Yeah, swacked in that video did not even see he like turned like he's because the guy the, oh the, i know the helmet know. cam guy is like hiding in between like a little dugout in the trench and a guy comes walking by him with a gun in his hand looks and sees him and the guy and the guy with the helmet cam just raises a weapon and blasts him like three times and 
Done. Ow. Yeah. Dude, Toothless looks like she's got the devil in her eye. She always has the devil in her you eyes. You're planning something stupid yeah, right now? She fucking always is planning something stupid. You're just a dumb little cat. That's true. That's all it is. How long have we been gabbing right now? Uh, Remember, we have to keep 19 it minutes, yeah. Is there anything I, else? I was that, thinking it was 20. Yeah, right? is there any, anything else that, uh, that you have? Because we have really long stories today. Do you and I want to live watch Righteous Gemstones? Yeah, I can do, do that. that. I can do that. Because we finished Barry. We yeah. Go to Righteous Gemstones. I watched I the first episode. I haven't watched the second episode, though. I saw that you finished season one of the other two, I think. How many episodes are in season one? I think like ten. It's only ten. <laughs> that was gross. I'm sorry, y'all. Excuse me. Uh, I usually mute myself for that. I don't. I have not finished. <laughs> I have not finished the the first season of the other I thought two. you did, but no, yeah. Uh, are, you, just, are you liking the other two? I, it is. It's very funny. It is very funny. I like it a lot. Isn't it very real? Yeah, it is very like, real. Like, it's kind of crazy because it tries to be surreal like Atlanta or like Broad City does. Yeah. But their universe is so realistic and ridiculous that you're just like, yeah, I believe all Yeah, that, absolutely. All the time. 100%. Yeah. Did you, like, that episode with Pink's assistant... She's like, I worked for Pink for a couple weeks. You just end up looking like this. Yeah. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's true. Absolutely. Oh, there was... I didn't know this. I was talking to a friend who, like, loved Pink, and she, she said she spent, like, $600 to go see Pink. Jesus. Pink has, like, full-on circus-quality aerial gymnastics displays now. Really? She, that's what she's doing at her show. That's badass. So that's what that joke was about in the show when she was like, she's really into aerial gymnastics. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what the show is. I, I was like, I thought it was a really weird line to put in. Yeah. Line. yeah. Yeah. But no, that's what her like, whole show is. Hey, man, oh. you, if I'm paying $600 a ticket, I better see fucking Cirque du Soleil up there. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Dude, I, so that was the, the reason that came up was because I wanted to go see Tool. I've listened to Tool for most of my life. I love that band. Uh, but tickets, it would have cost me like minimum $650, and I would have been in Timbuk fucking two Absolutely at the not. back of that thing. And I was, I was, and I was just like, nah, that's crazy. Yeah, like no. $600 to see a band that's like past their prime. I, was like, I, I can't, I can't. Yeah, no, I can't Hard pass. That. I didn't even like love their last album. So I like don't want to see that album yeah, live. You fair, know? fair. I just, Dude, I, I've been to artists that I like that were playing albums that I didn't like. And it sucked. Yeah. Like, a concert like that sucks. I, I, I'll avoid it now. There's very few people that I'm like, I want to go see them live. I just can't go to, yes. I, like, no concerts Dude, appeal to me anymore. Dude, $600? Yeah, I was like, it's, no. There's only one artist, and I would never, that's so rare. So few people line up with, like, being that level of star and yeah. good and quality yeah. and, like, are in their prime, you know? That never happens. Pass. Yeah, no. Can't yeah. do it. Can't fucking do Dude, it. Dude, and... A hundred and fifty dollars of that price was service service fees, fees dude. I oh, if, I will do a terrorism to you. I have, that's oh. what I'm saying, dude. Ticketmaster oh makes me want to be a domestic terrorist. Like, oh, it, like, like that. if oh. if there's ever. No one would even report me no. if they saw me, you know? No. They'd be like, oh, I didn't see shit, Yeah, bro. if there's Hell ever yeah. if there's ever, like, a revolution, like, it, I'm hunting down the CEO of Ticketmaster. Like sprinting the Ticketmaster. Yeah, dude, like, who who even... Fuck You're off. like, where is Ticketmaster? Yeah, who is the CEO 
uh, uh, Ticketmaster. See, that's a good question. You have to be a goddamn Jared Smith. The Ticketmaster executive team is no a, is way. rated a C plus and led by CEO Jared Smith. Ticketmaster employees rate their executive team at the, in the top fifty percent of similar sized companies in the comparability sure of uh, five thousand to ten thousand employees. He looks like a fucking Jared. No, I'm seeing. Live Nation slash Ticketmaster is CEO Michael Rapino. I'm seeing uh, Ticketmaster executive team on comparability. Maybe it is. I don't give a it's fuck. Different. Both yeah, of you motherfuckers. This guy, oh, and this guy, the whole point of this was this article, the CEO, Michael Rapino. His compensation package tops $139 million. Oh, Jesus Michael Christ. Rapino? Also... If Want to he, sponsor our show? I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Give us money. <laughs> if he's the CEO, <laughs> imagine of, uh, dude supporting Ticketmaster, selling out, dude. Yeah, yeah. That would be bad. Uh, the, he's the CEO of Ticketmaster and Live Nation, which means I'm just getting two birds with one stone. I fucking yeah, like. He's the worst. Michael Rapino, I've got your fucking name. Like, if the revolution happens, you're number one on my list. Just a heads up. Um, Dude, I hope we don't they, get like a li- like end up on a list or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's only if the revolution happens they know that. We'll yeah, be yeah. We're if, probably on an FBI watch. Yeah, so if the right. life continues as normal, cool you're fine. Are. But I don't like you. I have a strong distaste for you. Oh, I would spit in your food. Yeah, if the opportunity arises. Yeah, itself. yeah. If like you were just eating at a dinner table, I'd walk up and just spit in it. Yeah. <laughs> We're never you know gonna, we're never it. ever gonna get sponsors. You know that, right? Nah, we're never invite us anywhere. Yeah, if did, yeah, no, we're sure. never going to get Dude, sponsors. I want to sponsor like industrial manufacturers, like people, you know, like people who don't like. I don't care about hanging out with famous people. Yeah, me neither. Money, yeah, you know? yeah, I feel that. Just the ones who just give us some money. Let's just plug fucking you know HVAC companies and whatever. Yeah. What about like Charmin Ultrasoft? <sighs> I'm pretty sure they don't Fine. have any. They don't have any controversy. Podcast or, representation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is Charmin the one with their weird bears uh, on the commercial? Mas- yeah. Bear mascot and their toilet paper economy. I'm just like, yeah. I'm just like, okay. Thanks, Toothless. Um, fucking. Why do you need commercials for toilet paper? Who's not buying toilet Dude, paper? Yeah, I, don't, I, don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't but get we it. should we should get started. Who yeah. is going first this week? I think it's me, but I could be wrong. Uh, what did we cover last week? Even fuck if I know. Remember, remember is the guy, and he did the thing. Yeah, every time, dude. Every time I upload the podcast, I have to. Um, I oh yeah, have, the mountain. I have to like yeah, listen yeah. to the episode to remember who we covered. Dude. The uh, Simon Yates story was insane. That oh yeah, dude! F- built different. Built just, different. Uh, okay, yeah. So I covered those dudes. Uh, did I go first, or was that you that went first? I think I did. Usually, I you usually I'll put in the I will put in the the description who went. Like I'll I'll put like it in order. So if it says like oh, cover okay. Simon Yates, yeah. it's like that's that's who yeah, went, I went first. first. Okay. That does track. That works. So. Um, so I was having a hard time trying to figure out what I wanted to cover this week, uh, and I was, like, thinking that there was another survival story I wanted to do, I was like, ah, I don't know, I kind of want to keep it lighthearted. Survival stories are fucking sick, but they're super yeah. heavy sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and then this fucking bad boy of a story dropped right, right into my lap. Uh, I'm about to tell you one of the most fucking Looney Tunes straight out of a movie stories, 
I've ever heard. Uh, we're going to be talking about the bank, the Buenos Aires bank heist. Um, GQ did a fucking super. Oh, where they they tied the safe to the back of those cars. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. And it just I've smashed everything. Yeah, <laughs> one, one of your favorites. Um, oh, the best. And um, so did a story. Uh, GQ did a uh, my favorite murder covered this on their podcast. GQ did a super fucking lengthy article about it, which is really good. Is where I got a lot of this information. Uh, and I, I also just wrote in here that i gotta start saying my sources more because i could be forgetting sometimes but whatever yeah, so too. um at noon 30 on <laughs> january 13 2006 fucking police get a call and they're like hey guys there's some goofy goobers robbing the boy robbing the buenos aires bank the one in san uh isidro that rich people suburb that all the rich people live in could you like hurry up uh, and get over here? Because this is like one of Argentina's largest financial institution, and we got to protect rich people's money. Yeah, um, I mean, and more yeah, obviously, we die for it. Yeah, and the police are like, "Well, fucking good golly jeepers! That's a Texas size ten four. We're on our way." Um, this is an actual conversation, by the way. Uh, yeah. No paraphrasing. So the police arrive and they surround the bank back and front exits. You know, following Proto. And they're like, all right, what's the situation? And as it turns out, there are five armed men inside, and they had 23 hostages. And they had just released a security guard taking his gun and emptying the bullets and placing them in his pocket and letting him go as a, quote, gesture of goodwill. So police established contact with one of the robbers whose name was uh, Walter. And Walter is like, hey, man, we aren't ready to give up just yet, so, like, chill out. We don't want another Romalo incident, which was an infamous bank robbery that happened six years prior where three armed men used hostages as human shields during their escape, and police killed one of the robbers and two hostages. Not a good ratio, while all playing live on TV. Um terrible ratio that's uh, pretty bad yeah so please pretty so, bad yeah. they went with the russian method yeah, of, yeah. Uh, resolution there yeah so <laughs> every robber was vanquished yeah. okay okay yeah and uh, <laughs> every uh, robber yeah. <laughs> so uh police were like all right let's do this so for the next six fucking hours please talk to walter or also known as quote the man in the gray suit who has become, at this point, during the robbery, a fucking folk hero. Because there was a large financial collapse, and the banks fucked everybody over recently, and nobody dude. trusts them. Um, it's, it's cool to steal from banks. Dude, it's great. Right? It's awesome. It's the cool- yeah. Everybody's like, nice. Good, you know? <laughs> yeah. Not a single person is like, oh, but the bank, man. Yeah, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Don't anyone think of the bank. Yeah, yeah. So, um... So the uh, they're talking to Walter and the man in the gray suit, and things are pretty chill. The hostages are like, yeah, these dudes are super broing out in here. It's fine. And at one point, the police can hear hostages singing happy birthday from inside the bank because apparently one of the hostages' phone kept ringing. It was their family trying to tell them it was like, wish him a happy birthday. And Walter was like, it's your birthday. We got to sing happy birthday. So they started singing happy birthday to him. <laughs> so super chill, guys. Um, so... Uh, after six hours, the men request pizza to feed the hostages, and then police lose all contact with them. So finally, at 7 p.m., after not hearing from Walter for three hours, a police tag team busts into the bank, and they find the hostages all fucking gruesomely slaughtered. Like, horrifically slaughtered. Oh. I'm just kidding. They're all alive and Uh-oh. safe and sound. I was like, whoa! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, this is Brazil? Yeah, uh, Ar- yeah good old Argentina. Yeah, me. that is oh, true. Argentina. Argentina yeah. I was like, sure, yeah. Brazil, I yeah, I could see that. But, um, so, um, so, 
All the hostages are unharmed, safe and sound. Police raid the rest of the building for the robbers, and they come up with literally nothing. They can't find them anywhere. Seems the masked men just fucking vanished without a trace, and police are quite stumped that the vault itself is untouched, and uh, this it isn't until police go to the basement, and they find that the thieves have hammered through the safety deposit boxes. Uh, so they've established that the thieves were after, but one question still lingers in the Dude, air. I feel like most safety deposit boxes aren't worth it. No. There's no... Probably being caught by a fucking Somalian pirate. Yeah, right. Um, So, they they figured out what they were after, but they're like, where the fuck did they go? So, we're going to backtrack, and we're going to figure out who these men are and how they pulled this off. A real important part of the backstory um, that you have to know, and I mentioned it very briefly earlier, at this point in time, there is a major distrust in the banking system. Uh, in 2001, the Argentinian peso was on par with the U.S. Dollars, dollar, and then the banking system collapsed, and it became fucking worthless. So people are not happy with the banks in the slightest. Which, yeah, I'd be pretty pissed, too, if I fucking lost everything. Um, and one of those... those these dudes, one of the boys that loses everything is a man named Sebastian Garcia Bolster. Uh, he's a simple family man. He makes an honest living repairing engines and shit, and he's fucking wicked smart. Uh, like, smart as fuck. He is incredibly intelligent. Um, okay. So, old Seabass is just a regular guy. He's smart as shit, and he's living his life. Now, he has a friend who he regularly hangs out with uh, named Fernando Arejo, and Fernando is a bit of a wild card. Um, he's a very mild, you know... He's a bit of a wild card where a sea bass is very mild-mannered, and every mild-mannered dude needs that friend that uh, that always gets him into fucking silly, goofy situations. Absolutely. Yeah, you always need that friend in your life. So 41-year-old Ferran- for, uh, Fernando is that friend to a T. Uh, Fernando earns his living teaching martial arts in his free time, and so, he can, so he can do whatever the fuck he wants in his free time. He's like, that's how I make my money, and then while I am not doing that, I just smoke hella weed and watch bank robber movies. And I bet this dude fucking loved the movie Heat. Like, I fucking... Whoa, I'm I, positive. Dude, I know he's watched it at least ten times. Yeah. Um, it's the best fucking It is the best robbery bank robber movie. movie. Yeah. It so, is. So, um... So, at, as time goes on, old Fernando is, like, hanging out with Seabass, and they're probably smoking weed, and it's kind of kicking around the idea of robbing a bank. He's like, hey, man, I've watched hell bank robber movies. I'm practically an expert. We can do this. And Seabass is like, nah, can't do that. Sorry. Well, you know, maybe I could, possibly, but no, I can't. Uh, but, like, you know, Sebastian... No. It, it takes some convincing, and Sebastian doesn't really care about the money. He's kind of just interested in the technical side of things. Like, how could he could he really pull off? A, does he have the brains to pull off a, it's a, like, a bank um, Ill, what the fuck's his name was from? From the Brian Wells case. Uh, you know that guy? Uh, he just wanted, the one who, who set it all up. He oh, just yeah, to just see, see if he could, could do pull it. one yeah. over on the cops. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he truly had never done anything like that in his life. <laughs> he's like, like try it. Yeah, we're going to try it. Um, so he thinks he could, and it really gets him rock fucking hard. Uh, fucking over the banks gets him fully torqued. And it's yeah, obviously because his family lost everything during the collapse. So at first, Seabass is like, nah, I, I like it could happen. But at the time, it was just kind of a fleeting thought. But old fucking Fernie cannot stop thinking and talking about it. So in 2004, he brings it up again to Seabass, and he's like, brother, I have a plan, the plan of all plans, and I know how to pull this shit off without getting caught. I've watched every bank robber movie under the sun. I've watched Heat at least 34 times, but I need your smart guy brain to help me out. 
And Seabass is not super into it at first, but Fernie is like, listen, dog, we don't go through the front doors. That's for amateurs. We go into the bank from the underground storm storm tunnels. It's fucking genius. And Sebastian's like, hold up now. That's a good idea. I bet I can work that. This This was in 2004. Okay, so GTA 5 isn't out yet. Yeah, yeah. The robbery itself took place in 2006. Um, So... Seabass thinks about it for a little bit, and he's like, you know, I kind of just want to do this to see if I can do it, just to see if it's doable, but on one condition. We don't use real weapons. There would be, there is, if you want me to be a part of the plan, he's like, there has to be zero violence involved. I do not want anybody to get hurt. I just want the bank to fucking get hit, and, uh... And and Fernie's like, son of a bitch, you got yourself like, a okay, deal. That yeah. was like most of the, my yeah, robbery yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to recalibrate, yeah. but I, I love the energy. We'll come back and we'll regroup. So um, uh, so Fernie's like, yeah, of course, whatever you say. They shake hands and the camera gets a tight shot of that handshake to solidify the moment. So Fernando's plan awesome. goes like this. They're going to stage a fake robbery, a fake robbery in the bank's main area. While this fake robbery is happening, they will go through the sewer system punch up through the bank's basement floor, and conduct the real robbery. Now, these men know that after the collapse, people don't trust the banks at all. They know people are not going to be putting their money into the bank's vault, but they still need a secure place to stash their loot, so they decide that instead of emptying the bank's cash registers and hitting the vault, their main target is going to be the safety deposit box of the banks. Because That makes sense. Nowadays, it's like, uh, safety boxes could be a hit or miss. But back then, when like it was like, uh, you fucked us oh, over okay. once, we're not going to do it again. But you're good for protecting like stuff we can hold. Um, that, dude. And in real life, banks have like... Like, your rights with a safety deposit box are, like, dog shit yeah. with a bank. They can just empty it. Like, they, they they can open it, they can empty it, and they will maybe tell you. This, they're like, this nothing. is ours now. Uh, it's not insured. Yeah. Like, nothing. Like, I, I would never do that shit. No, absolutely not. Absolutely just not. Just put it in your mattress. Don't put it in uh-huh. the uh, Or bury it in your backyard or something. Bury it, yeah. Nobody, yeah. Burying yeah, is so is, underrated. Yeah, dude. underrated. People don't realize how good burying your money is. Oh yeah, what? No one. Robbers are going to kick your fucking fence down and start and start digging, digging up your, your yard. yard. Yeah, yeah. So they've got a plan, and now they need to hire an A team to pull off what Fernie is calling the D. Uh, or I'm sorry, what Fernie is calling quote the Donatello project. Named after Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, legitimately, absolutely really named after Teenage Mutant Ninja that Turtles. Was the case. Yeah. Yeah. So, Seabass um, gets started on the technical aspect of the robbery while Fernie starts putting his feelers out for his team because he's got connections to the yo know, the old crime world. Um, I'd like to imagine that a sweet montage is happening while he does this. So, uh, Fernie's pers- first roster pick is a man only known by the name of Doc. He is a highly experienced bank robber. Doc is also accompanied by a man named Ruben Alberto de la Torre, codenamed Beto. Both of these men belong to the legendary gang of highly skilled thieves called the Superbanda, and robbing banks was the Superbanda's bread and butter. So next they pick up uh, Julian uh, Zelo Escavera. He was a professional at boosting cars, and at the time... He was kind of, kind of, kind of getting out of the criminal life. He was trying to start Dude. living the straight and narrow, and gets the call. Me back. Hey, yeah, here's the plan. This He's literally like, Dude, yeah, yeah. He was up. like, all right, one last big job, and I'm out for good. So, for the next eight months, Seabass is hard at work. He'd wait till nighttime and then enter the storm drains under the city. He would navigate this maze of tunnels, uh, and he finally found himself just outside the bank. 
He would then use an automatic shovel to begin clearing a path so they could punch up through the bank's basement. It wasn't easy, though. Seabass had to calculate exactly the angle they needed to go up and how far they needed to dig through. One miscalculation, they would end up in the wrong building. So to solve this problem, Seabass took various measurements of the length of the manhole cover just outside the bank to the bank itself. Uh, though he knew if he walked out there with a measuring tape, he would look super suspect. So he just measured the circumference of his bike tire one night and then goes over to the bank with his bike and walks his bike from the manhole cover to the wall of the bank, counting each full rotation and came to the conclusion that the distance was about 37 and a half rotations or about 185 feet. So their tunnel into the basement should be angled at 69 degrees. Nice. Um, nice. so so, uh, as Seabass is hard at work, the team soon runs into another problem. Money. You know, you gotta spend money to make money. And, money. And money, dude. Uh, and digging tunnels and finding the supplies to pull this off started to become costly. Sebastian had already sold his car for the cost and sunk around 5000 into heist preparation, but it wasn't enough. Luckily, Doc had some connections to the underworld and calls upon the man. Dude, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. They're poor. So, um, Doc has some connections to the underground and he calls upon the Spider Man of Buenos Aires for help. A man named Luis Mario Vitet uh, Selenes was a well known Uruguayan thief. He was nicknamed the Spider Man because he would scale tall buildings and break into luxury high rise apartments. Vitet was another man who kind of retired from the life of crime. He had a nice home. He was living comfortable. He had a very comfortable life, but he got the call, and while well, the offer was too good to, to refuse, so he invests around 100000 into the heist, which kicks things into overdrive. Holy shit. Yeah. So They were like, they were like okay, we have $5,000. We need a little bit more, and he's like, here's $100,000. Yeah, here's $100,000. Um, like, oh, yeah. So one of the biggest obstacles that men would face is how they were going to get into the safety deposit boxes. It wouldn't be an easy task, but they knew if, uh, but Seabass knew if he had one to study, he could find a way to do it. So he goes into the bank pretending he's interested in renting a safety deposit box. And while there, he makes a note of the make and model number of the boxes and ends up ordering a few for the manufacturer to experiment on. Whenever they use, uh, whatever they use to punch through, uh, the boxes had to be fast, it had to be powerful, but they couldn't use explosives because they didn't want people upstairs knowing during the decoy robbery to hear what was going on in the basement, and they couldn't cut through uh, cut through them with a torch due to the fumes that would be created. So he settled on the next best thing, a fucking jackhammer, which uh, was our well-known for being quiet. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, he so, did a silenced jackhammer. Yeah, silenced jackhammer. So... Uh, Oh, Sebastian is such a fucking genius that he builds this jackhammer himself so it can be transported into pieces through the tunnel system and then pushed up into the bank. And he names it the power cannon. Uh, he built his own from this ground up? Yeah, so he can he so he can take it apart in pieces and transport Holy it. Shit. Yeah. Dude's on another level. That's really easier than one that works there was a there was a little tidbit and how he was trying to like design and build his own helicopter just to see if he could do it too so he's like he's like i don't give a fuck i'm gonna do this all right yeah in looney yeah my guy just go to the store and buy a jackhammer stop building a stupid jackhammer i don't know i guess i guess the the main deciding factor was it had to be like it had to be easy to transport through the tunnels and up into the hole they're gonna dig so i guess that was easier than just a regular jackhammer I'm convinced that's untrue. Yeah, I, yeah. So another big I, problem. Yeah. Another big problem. How are they going to get their booty outside of the bank? If the boxes uh, have as much loot as they think, 
It's not going to be an easy task hauling it all through the storm tunnels. Not to worry, though. Fucking Sebastian has a plan. Obviously, rafts. Inflatable rafts. The only problem with inflatable rafts was that the height... Oh, I'm sorry. The weight of the men, as well as their bounty, the water was not too deep. It was not deep enough to support the for the rafts to carry them, which seems, you know, like a big enough problem that they would have to find another way to transport themselves through these tunnels with all their, you know, items. Yeah. Not for our fucking boy, though. Uh, there's a reason his nickname was the engineer in this entire plan. So over several nights, he goes into the storm tunnels and he builds a dam in the storm tunnels and slowly lets the water rise so they have adequate enough room for the rafts to function pop- properly. Um, and that is his solution to that problem. So Jesus Christ. Yeah, dude, a lot of work. A lot of That's- work. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I, I now I get it. Yeah, you know, this is the funnest challenge, dude. For yeah, him. he's it's like, like oh, it, uh, yeah, <laughs> rubbing his little hands uh-oh. together, dude. Yeah, he's like, uh oh, I won't be able to fit a normal jacket. Uh, yeah, <laughs> oh. So, all this prepara- preparation, it's finally fucking go time. A few members meet for a splash of coffee at a bar and apply glue to their fingertips in order to limit the amount of fingerprints left at the scene. Afterwards, they set off in three vehicles. A pair of stolen cars made their way to the bank to be set up as decoy getaway cars, and the actual getaway van was parked at their uh, designated pickup spot. First in the bank was Beto, dressed as a doctor and followed by by the man known as Doc, who wore a plain ski mask. So Beto pulls out his toy gun he had borrowed from his son and waves it around, telling everybody to get on the ground. While this is happening, the Tet and a last-minute member named Luis, the Uruguayan, uh, who to this day still has never been identified. Nobody knows who he is. He just vanished, and that's it. Uh, but uh, uh, Luis, the Uruguayan, yeah, crazy. I mean... <laughs> genius genius yeah you know he wins so, yeah he wins so uh they drive one of the decoy getaway cars into the garage under the bank the tet and louise help carry the power cannon and some other tools into the bank and using the getaway card they barricade the bank's garage door and then join their friends upstairs for the decoy robbery um outside the bank the other decoy car sits uh, and inside of this car they had placed excuse me they had placed uh, nails and oil cans because police would see these and immediately... At first, I was like, uh, okay, a bomb or something. But they would see these items and immediately identify this car as the getaway vehicle. Um, and that would lead them to think that if we surround this car, they're stuck. We can't get... They can't get out. So it's a yeah, red herring, basically. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. As the robbery continued, Doc made his way downstairs, where he ever so carefully broke down the basement wall from the inside. He greets Sebastian, pulls him through. The men executed the fake robbery just as an ordinary bank robbery would happen. They emptied the cash drawers. Vitet, wearing a tailor-grade suit and a fake mustache, begins doing his job as the negotiator and buying the men in the basement as much time as possible. Damn near the entire police force shows up, and Walter... uh, or Vitets start getting back to work. He tells the police negotiator that he's going to release a hostage as an act of goodwill. And that's when they send out the security guard, which was partially true. The real reasoning they did this is because they didn't want a single real gun inside the bank. They did not want the oh, off smart. chance that the, that the security guard would get hot for his britches and like 
someone would end smart. up getting killed. So they were like, this guy's got to go. Very smart. Um, so uh, In America, th- that's not how that works. No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, They're like, all right, who has a gun? Yeah, everybody, everybody who, cough him up. Yeah, yeah put him in the bag. Uh, so Vitette begins saying things to the negotiator to make him think that uh, the gang was just a bunch of amateurs and uh, basically just like acting really unorganized and very erratic so they didn't know they were dealing with very highly skilled individuals oh that's smart they also tell the police don't come in here because Ah, we yeah yeah being crazy super wacky and zany uh but they're also like hey just let you know we will shoot our way out if we need to so don't do anything funny so down to the safety uh i'm sorry down in the basement the safety deposit box crew were fast at work they had set themselves a hard time limit of two hours, and it started the minute Doc punched through the wall. So it took about 20 minutes to assemble the power cannon. Once it was operational, they began punching open safety deposit boxes like nobody's fucking business. And they did this for about 90 minutes. The loot begins piling up around them, and once they hit their time limit, it was time to get the fuck out of Dodge. The men upstairs doing the decoy robbery told the hostages the gang needed to step away for a quick meeting, and if anyone moved, they'd be killed. Um, they, they left, they went down to the deposit box room to meet with the other members and they begin lowering the power cannon as well as the loot down into the wraps. Um, they have fake guns. Yeah. None none of the guns they have are real. Yeah. They have. Uh, Yeah. So basically the whole signal to, to be like, Hey, the, um, the signal that it was, it was time to leave is they would, they, one of them would tell the other like, Hey, we got to order a pizza to feed the hostages. Um, I think I have that somewhere, but it was probably yeah. better to put it in this point. But yeah, they give the signal. They talk to the negotiator. Can we get pizza to feed the hostages? And now everybody in the gang knows it's time to leave. Um, I, I'd be like, actually, can we order some like uh, some taco? Bell? Yeah, so, yeah. Like I'm not pizza. feeling pizza. I had pizza last night. I'm not night. really feeling pizza. Yeah. So um, Chinese food. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they start lowering down the power cannon as well as the loot from the safety deposit boxes uh, into the rafts. Before leaving, the men wanted to buy as much time as possible, so they cleaned the room with bleach to get rid of any DNA, and they had gathered hair from a barber shop down the street and bagged it up. Hold on one second. And they began throwing that hair around the safety deposit box room as, you know to stifle law enforcement it's d there's so much dna here now that like it's That's and it's so not our dude yeah it's crazy so uh <laughs> as a cherry on top they even went in as far as to assemble a bunch of fake bombs and set them in the room to waste more of the police time jesus dude, yeah crazy that's a that's a great idea it is though. yeah it's Although, fantastic. I, think, I don't know i wonder what your sentencing looks like if you make a fake bomb I don't know. Did they charge you like you had a real bomb? Yeah. Because you get in trouble for having a a fake gun. Yeah, fake gun, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, no, you do get in trouble for saying that you have a bomb. Yeah, you you get, yeah. Yeah, I I, I remember it was, I think it was the Brian Wells case where they said that, like, they've charged, they've gotten people who have walked in with bombs, but they've never been real before. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, the last two men in the room, they clean up all the evidence that they had broken through the wall. All the debris gets swept up and tossed in the hole. And they move a really heavy file cabinet in the way of the hole, so it's not immediately obvious how they got in. So, 
Once in the tunnels, the men weren't out of the woods yet. As they attempted to make their getaway, the lead raft wouldn't start, and they ended up flooding the engine. But we all know how smart Sebastian is. He planned for this. He starts handing them oars. He's like, we're fucking paddling. Let's go. Uh, his hand, he starts handing out oars so the men can... I thought run. he was going to do something fancy nah, to nah, unflood nah. the engine. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he inserts a pen yeah. tube in there and sucks yeah, out the gasoline. Sucks the gasoline out, yeah. So, Not that cool. So uh, they row their way to the pickup point after 10 blocks of rowing. They reach their destination. They hoist the plethora of loot through the manhole and get in the... In, enter the getaway van it's estimated that the thieves got away with around 20 million in valuables uh there was Damn. hold on in, it's not trackable shit like the cash would. yeah no yeah and so it is also so one of the big things that were in these safety deposit boxes were credit cards and there was a lot of credit cards in them um which it's like 2001 so i kind of get it in what why yeah i don't know i i apparently people put you know emergency credit cards and safety deposit boxes okay but there were credit cards in these you know amongst the stolen goods and the men knew if they used them and they'd immediately get caught so instead they all took a couple of them, and they went and walked around various areas of the city, and they would just drop them on the ground. So people would pick them up and use them, and they'd immediately, like, and police uh, would have to follow those leads. So it would waste uh, more of police time. So Eventually they just start ignoring them. Yeah, exactly. So the entire ordeal, obviously, is fucking legendary. Uh, but just like in the movies, it's some ridiculous shit that brings them down. And in this case, it was a scorned lover. So basically, to wrap this up, because it's, it's long, uh, Beto is married at the time, and but one day he's going out with his mistress and cruising town, uh, and his wife thinks that he's trying to skip town with his mistress because this absolute silly goose just told her about the robbery, like did not, was not secretive wow. about it, yeah. So, and also it didn't help that they had met in Beto's garage very regularly to discuss plans of the robbery. Uh, so the men, so Beto gets pulled over and arrested and his wife is able to point out the other men involved. Um, and they plead not guilty to charges of aggravated robbery with a firearm. So, but yeah, right. Right. You good time ruiner. So the Ted gets acquitted because the judge finds that there is insufficient evidence to convict him but he is charged and convicted for an unrelated robbery um so the other men are convicted in 2010 but thanks to them not using real guns uh, none of them receive a sentence longer than five years uh dark uh. doc is never charged and no one still to this day knows where luis went uh and a, and a majority majority of the stolen cash and goods were never recovered so okay so i was like well that's why Lu- luis is gone yeah yeah <laughs> they did dude yeah no they they got away with it they got away i mean with yeah because they you know they do their five years whatever they come back for the show oh, and you gotta you gotta think like they do those that five years they're they are legends in this in the oh, prison true. system like they are true. they are superstars Plus, Plus, they put them in prison, and they teach a bunch of people a bunch yeah, of yeah, really a bunch of yeah, tricks. really yeah, no shit. <laughs> They're like, wow. The ever since we put those guys in prison, the caliber of yeah of, cra- of, yeah, of crimes we've it's had crazy. is crazy. Yeah, that's a good story. It was Jesus. crazy. Is that a movie? It's got to be a movie. So they've made multiple like documentaries and movies about it. Yeah, it's like a it, movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It does, I mean, as far as big heist movies go. 
doesn't have any machine gun shootouts. No, so no. I mean, probably not going to be my run to. Yeah, see yeah, movie. that's fair. I don't want to see. I mean, like the town. Now we're talking. You Fucking know? oh god, I love the town. You know? Love the town. That's because Ben Affleck's like, I'm gonna rip off Heat. And yeah. Okay. Uh, fuck it. Yeah. Cool. Go ahead. <laughs> One of my favorite like badass scenes is in the town where he's like, you know, we got to go hurt some people, and you can never ask oh, me yeah. about it again. And his brother's like, all right, whose car are we taking? And I was like, oh yes, so hard, so hard. Amazing. Yeah. It's so hard. Uh. So. Uh, I don't know why, but all of the best material seems to be in the 1800s. And I've been inspired. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos. Uh, my YouTube algo is starting to tune me to, like, it's a history stuff. And I was yeah. like, that's a good idea. Kind of point me to times and places that would have some good stuff. And I had the idea to cover John Brown. And I, I stole the idea from Snaxton as soon as I came up with it because I knew eventually he would probably cover John. Brown. Well, we already talked about it. I was like, I was like, I was thinking about covering John Brown, but he has just so much information. I'm gonna have to like designate it's a, a lot. couple days. It is for a lot. It. Yeah, it's so awesome. John Brown is uh, incredible. And if you live in Kansas, it's hard to avoid learning about him. Yeah. He's probably like the single most famous Civil War era yeah. uh, or Civil War era figure that the state had. We have um, a, a giant mural of him in the state house. Like, yes. Yeah, uh, like I was going to say, yeah. yeah. The most mor- morally righteous terrorist in the last 150 years, he's depicted in the Kansas State House on a mural called The Tragic Prelude that is one of the most famous pieces of abolition iconography. Um, and you'll you understand why. So when you hear his story, he was born on May 9th, 1800, right on the year, in Torrington, Connecticut, to a devout family of Christians with eight fucking children and a grandfather who died in the Revolutionary War. Um, some evidence actually points to him being a direct descendant of one of the original pilgrims, too. So this dude is tr- bleeds America, yeah. brother. He is America. On his mom's side, I mean, you know, he's not native, but like America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on his mom's side, more Revolutionary War soldiers and already a history of abolitionists. When he was young, the family briefly moved to his father's hometown in Connecticut, but they moved quickly again um, to Hudson, Ohio, which at the time was basically just the woods out in the middle of nowhere. Fair. Um, and they moved there because John Brown's father, Owen, was friends with the founder of the town, David Hudson. Uh, and they named it after him, David Hudson. Do you see how that they did that? <laughs> yeah. uh, he's a David Hudson was an abolitionist and an early advocate of freeing slaves by force. And Hudson was actually one of the most anti-slavery regions earliest in the U.S. history. Um, Ohio sucks ass now, so we don't know where all that energy. Yeah, went, so, so just fucking whatever. drained out of you. Ohio's history. Bo- the, the history worst. in this part of his his life is insane. Oh, Owen Brown. Um, got rich. Wait, let me make sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so oh, I forgot to mention that his dad's name is Owen. I don't know why I uh, just went straight to Owen Brown, but Owen Brown himself got rich from settling early. He was in Hudson when things were getting started, and he operated a tannery that employed the father of Ulysses Grant, a future Civil War general, president of the United States. I was like, "What? Oh you man! Were, holy yeah, shit, what? John Brown's dad employed Ulysses Grant's father. Uh, I That's, feel like, dude. I feel like back in those times, like the degrees. Everyone of, knew everybody. Yeah, I was like, the degrees <laughs> of separation between you and somebody who was like a pinnacle of history, like George yeah, cousin, yeah, dude, you know? yeah. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, he just works right over. Yeah, there. Yeah, that's my boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so. 
Um, Owen absolutely hated slavery, uh, participated in anti-slavery forums, and he even offered refuge along the Underground Railroad. Uh, John himself hadn't really had much schooling because he was too busy trying to just be alive in the Bear. woods until he started to study at an abolitionist-run school. Fun fact was led by the father of the guy who invented life insurance. So eat ass, <laughs> He's garbage. Uh, later in his life, John would often tell of a story around this time uh, when he was about twelve that he saw a young black boy who had been beaten with a shovel. And it was justified by the abuser because he was a slave. And like any normal person should have, he decided to be anti-slavery right then and there because he didn't think it was cool to beat children. (laughs) A surprisingly controversial take to this day. Yeah, that is true. Um, Still, uh, we have a problem getting that point across. He also interacted with the local natives often and learned their language, and he would invite them to eat, and he even went hunting with them, which I was like, holy shit, John Brown is so legit. Dude, a, a real one, a certified it's real a pass. one. Yeah. You know, yeah. He's, he's on, yeah, he's an ally, yeah. for sure. So at the age of 16, Brown moves out and heads to New England so he can become a gospel minister and get more book learnings. He did find someone to help him prepare for college, but he came under with a terrible case of eye inflammation, which is back when doctors just told you the name for your affliction and then didn't fix it. See you later. Uh, And uh, the eye inflammation only got worse, and it kept him from his collegiate pursuits. He's just like, okay, well, I can't read too good because my eye is inflamed. Yeah. The doctor said it was inflamed, so... They didn't do anything. Ain't got no medicine for it. I've put cocaine in my eye. That'll be five cents. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. God damn it. All right. So he moves back to Hudson, opens a tanner with uh, his adopted brother because they have eight. They had had eight children and an adopted kid. They just not. They couldn't have enough children. Yeah, could not. The tanning business grew. They hired a baker slash a housekeeper widow named Amos Lusk. She moved in with her daughter Diane and Brown. Dianth, by Dianth. the way. Dianth. Okay. I was like, it's, it sounds wrong yeah, to it say. Yeah, does. Yeah. Uh, and Brown married Dianth in, uh, like, a year or two, at the ripe old age of 20. Naturally. His first child of what eventually would be seven was born a year later. Uh, things are going well for a while. It's cranking out kids, Tana hides, slapping ass, when in 1825 the family decides to move to Pennsylvania because it was a better and safer place for fugitive slaves, he was still helping escape. Um, this would be the state that he stays in for the longest. I think it's so funny how Kansas jerks off about John Brown, and he's not from there, and it wasn't the longest <laughs> place he was there at all. <laughs> we were like, something, yeah. anything. <laughs> something to grab yeah. onto and make it our personality. Um, so he built his own cabin, tannery, and barn that he put a secret ventilated room in to hide slaves in. Nice. Uh, escape slaves, not his own slaves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Track it. Uh, it <laughs> estimated that in the 10 years that the spot was operational, over 2,500 people went through on their way to Canada. Damn. Which is awesome. Uh, he worked as a self-taught surveyor when the tanning business was down. A postmaster, that was just another job that he had. He was appointed the first postmaster of the town. Nice. He built a school, and at one point, some white families were like, help us drive out the natives. And he was like, no. Get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a busy guy. Yeah, dude. yeah. I was like, he, he taught himself to be a land surveyor. He just did that while he's doing all this other shit. 
I'm like, he's like 21. He's got a lot of time. He built a barn. Yeah. He built a tannery. He has a child. He's married. He's the postmaster. And then he's like, I'm going to teach myself to survey. It's, I mean, it's it's the time where your brain isn't rotted by fucking, uh, you it's know. It's cell phone's Yeah, fault. cell phone's fault. Exactly. It's the screens. Too much screens. And then now kids Plus, can't be postmasters. Back then, there was so few capitalists between you and your money yeah that's true that you really made your honest work you yeah fucking forged your work out of the earth uh god that sounds amazing and horrible it yeah does sound horrible. yeah like not great but also the guy lived in the woods yeah <laughs> uh so unfortunately in 1831 uh one of his kids died which made him sad understandably and hurt his businesses the next year, he had a newborn son. It died. And then also his wife died. Because I'm pretty sure that's how it's gone for every man from this time period that we have covered. Yeah. And all of their fucking whole lives will just collapse out. Yeah. I mean, them. that's why you have so many kids. Because you got you, you to gotta even the odds of like, is this kid going to die? I've got nine more that will yeah. uh, that I can deal with. So we're good. And man, wives just die left and right. You can't risk an old one because like, that's going to die. Yeah. You know? yeah. So you got to yeah. marry like a child. Yeah. Is apparently how it works. Uh, so now he's got four kids alive, two dead, and no wife. And so the next year he marries a 17-year-old. Oh, my and God. And he's just going to fill up with babies. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's like, let's see, 18 20. He's 30. Yeah, he's 31. So a bit of a difference, but, you know, that was wife and age back then. Yeah. I mean, Still truly, gross, but you know, it, yeah. It is gross. It is. I mean... In no way am I justifying it, but if, you know, if everybody dies at 50, like, they're a third through their life, you know, I don't know. It is a little different. In fact, that's going to come up later. I'll tell you about that. Okay. So we'll, we'll come back to that. So in 1836, so after five years uh, after he married this lady, he uh, moves again. Because that's just all you... It's so easy back yeah. then, I guess. So they just leave. Fucking A. And uh, so he's off to Franklin Mills, Ohio. Back to Ohio. I guess he missed it. He missed the woods. <laughs> he borrows a bunch of money to buy some land in the area and build another tannery, this time with Kent of Ohio Kent family fame. Uh, like, I think Kent is a well-known name in the area. I think there's a town or city, too. Uh, and it, he knew them. He knew that person. He knew every cool person in Ohio. Apparently. All right. Uh, Brown did well for himself, became a bank director, and... I was like, what? <laughs> it's just, what Dude, do you mean? <laughs> you can just do whatever you want, dog. I thought you were doing a tannery. He's uh, like, he one invested. job? No, absolutely not. Oh, yeah. my God. Uh, what am I going to do all yeah. day after I'm done with my job? <laughs> so, invested heavily in credit and state bonds, like many bank directors at the data that, um, did at the time. And there was a financial panic in 1837, so he lost a ton of it. And then he was briefly jailed while he tried to squat on a farm that was being claimed by a new owner. What a f- uh, rise and fall from Gracie. Yeah, no just shit. a few fucking short years. Around the same time, he gets kicked out of the local church. Damn. You know, why, why would they commit? Why, why do you think he got kicked out of church? Why did they kick out John Brown? Uh, Probably because he, like, I don't know, wasn't cool with murder or something. Uh, he let a black person sit on the same pew as him. I figured that so, was that was. I mean, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. I figured it was going to be vaguely racist or like outright oh, racist. I mean, yeah, racist. dead on racist. Yeah. Dude, I mean, to his credit, though, it's crazy how many stories he has like that through his life. He, he was with it. Yeah, to his principles. Dude, yeah. talk, talk the talk, walk the walk, like fucking. 
Yeah. Not um, out here. Just... And this would actually be the last church that John connected with. He was pretty disappointed about how that all turned out. Yeah, it's, you know, don't join a racist church. I mean, Which is like all, all of them he's at like, the time. He's like, wait, are yeah. white people all racist? Yeah, all of them? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Next few years were pretty rough. Um, he bounced around trying to get out of debt, and he vowed to dedicate his life to the destruction of slavery after nice. the infamous murder of Elijah Lovejoy. Uh, declared bankruptcy in 1842, and then he lost three kids to dysentery the next year. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, God. dude. Life back then sounds awful. I'm just, I mean, no wonder you had so much economic opportunity. You had to yeah. build your whole life yeah. up again every fucking five well, years. Well, I would say multiple times. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, my wa- my first wife and all of the kids have died, yes. Um, not at the same time, slow and tragically. Jesus, fuck. So um, he does what we're now learning every man did when calamity struck in the 1800s, and he moved. Uh, he moved again, uh, this time to Springfield, Massachusetts. Springfield was one of the foremost pro-abolition cities in the United States at the time. It was there that he joined the Free Church, which was founded by freedmen, uh, and was intended to platform abolitionists. There, John Brown himself listened to lectures from Sojourner Truth and Frederick Douglass and all of the most famous abolitionists in American history. Damn. He just stood there that's and so met crazy. all of them. Yeah, that's so wild. Brown became deeply involved in turning the city into an abolitionist hub and an important stop on the Underground Railroad. No shit. In 1850- Dude, this guy all yeah, day. That's holy all he fuck. ever did. It's awesome. What an absolute uh, fucking um, legend. John Brown, we need a John yeah, Brown right now. He yeah. would have been insane. Oh right my now. god. <laughs> a force <laughs> to be reckoned with, dude. With an AR fifteen in his hands, bro. Yeah. A whole new world. That man that man could change nations. Like <laughs> yeah. uh, so in eighteen fifty, the Fugitive Slave Act passed, which mandated that free state authorities return escaped slaves to their enslavers. Brown responded by forming a militia intended nice. to prevent fugitives from being recaptured. Uh, Brown would have to leave shortly after founding it, but after he left, not a single person was ever returned to slavery in Springfield after he formed his militia. No shit. Um, you know, who knows how popular it would have been, but he made sure it wasn't going to be yeah, cool at yeah. that <laughs> uh, Many historians point to Brown's time in Springfield as when he truly became radicalized and comfortable with the idea of violence to pursue his means. Because, you know, if now he has to embond, you know, legally he's, like, required to bond humans because of other slavers own him, he was like, okay, it's fucking over, you know. And he's meeting these, like, famous influential abolitionists who are teaching him a lot, and he's like, you know what, y'all don't kill enough. Yeah, yeah. You know what, this, this, you know what, your plans could use some extreme violence. Yeah. (laughs) Um, oh, and while he was in Ohio, uh, his daughters died. Damn. Two of his daughters Jesus died. Christ. <laughs> it's like, guy. oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh, so, I'm mean, like, how, how do you love a child at that point? Yeah, like, yeah. You're just, you're, just, you're going to die. Sorry. So, he heard of someone who was setting up in New York to give land grants to freed slaves. So, what did he do? He moved there. He nice. moved again nice. uh, to assist with doing that. In the meantime... Uh, my home state and your current uh, prison in yeah. Kansas was becoming a hotbed of violence between pro and anti-slavery forces and was the bleeding edge of the entire abolitionist conflict. All them fucking uh, pro-slavery people coming over from Missouri fucking Missouri, Missouri bro. It's, it's all Missouri's fault. 
It is. Uh, five of Brown's sons moved to Kansas in 1855 to help the state enter the Union as a free state. Because I, I could not keep up with the kids thing, Dude, so yeah. I didn't. Yeah. And then it was like five of his kids moved. I'm like, what? How many? Five alive how, yes, how many do you have? Like, uh, what the fuck? How old are they? <laughs> So, Brown moved there the next spring with uh, another one of his kids and a son-in-law. Noticeably absent was his wife, Mary, who did not want to live in Kansas. She stayed in New York to tend the farm while he was away. Fair. Kansas was a a hotbed of violence and aggression as both sides vied for power in the state. Lawrence, Kansas was attacked by pro-slavers, burning down two abolitionist newspapers and the Free State Hotel. And the only person who died was a filthy border ruffian. (laughs) Shortly after, in the Senate, someone beat an abolitionist center's ass with a cane, just in Congress. Uh, So it was getting hot. Yeah. You know? Goddamn. And also, another thing we need to be back someone go and kick Ted Cruz's ass. Yeah, dude, yeah. In the Senate. What happened to the days where you can beat up politicians with a cane? Oh, on the Senate when, floor. Back when senators settled, settled their differences with their fists. Yeah, with their okay, fucking and fists. And lobbyist money, uh, all right? I want a senator who can kick some ass, okay? And Ted Cruz, he wouldn't be a soft. senator for a... Yeah, soft. Soft. Soft man, dude. He got soft hands, brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, all of this was getting brown, heated. Uh, plus, he thought that the weak, tepid, nonviolent, soy boy responses from the abolitionist pussies was cowardless, uh, uh, cowardly and meaningless in the face of the violence that was constantly perpetrated by uh, racists. So one day after one day after the caning in the Senate, when they beat an abolitionist sen- uh, senator's ass, John's like, "It's on! It's on!" Like, fuck it, yeah, Thomas we're it's go time, baby. It's, the gloves are off, my friends. He picks a posse for a private pursuit. Nice. His son, John Jr., was like, hey, let's chill. And Sr. was like, no. And so, uh, his, <laughs> so John and four of his sons and two other dudes go on a little a little expedition. Uh, they go and camp in the area around some known pro-slavery raiders. Uh, in the middle of the night, they go out to the home of James P. Doyle, pull him and his two adult sons, sparing the 16-year-old because he knew he was too young to be in the, the raid, and they took them out into the woods, and his sons stabbed them to death with broadswords. Jesus I was Christ, like, dude. What? <laughs> Why? God damn. They stabbed them to death with swords. I don't, again, was not explained to me why they had swords. I think people just had swords. Yeah, I mean, it, you don't have, like, modern weapons, so it's not like, oh, this one. Useless. Yeah, yeah it's this, still helpful. But, but, like, you're not, like, you go out today and you're like, this fucking handgun I have is going to protect me from at least 18 people. Um, yeah. So you're <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, like, you got, like, a fucking, like, a pistol back in those days like all right this i've got a good hit in it and then yeah a single shot to protect me and then i need to go to the sword yeah Yeah. i guess if you're not that skilled a sword is still a pretty yeah yeah swinging a sword around is a hard it is but it's better than not having nothing it's better than Uh, having nothing so john senior uh only helped out by shooting the dad in the head after they to make sure that he was dead he didn't stab them to death uh but he made sure that they had been killed uh, then they go to the another house, slash the owner to death, cross the river to a new cabin where the man has three guests. Uh, they get tied up and interrogated. It's determined one guest was the brother of a fa- of a famous pro-slaver. Oh, so man. they hack him to pieces. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, he's, they're like, who's your brother? Who's yeah, your what's he do? From? Yeah, what's he do? <laughs> uh, so, but they let the others go. Uh, it was there that they find that the man that they had planned to kill all along, Dutch Henry, was gone, so they end the op and head home. In one night, John Brown and his sons killed five men after a total of eight casualties in two years of bleeding Kansas. So here's Damn. a major escalation in the violence yeah. at the time. Or a major response yeah. to the violence that had been escalating at the time. Uh, then, a week later, John rallies 29 other men to go... Uh, I don't know why I said that. Uh, to I use the word read there. That's wrong. The camp of Henry Pate, where two... Oh, yeah, raid. That's what that was supposed to be. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, he rallies 29 other men to go raid the camp of Henry Pate, where two of his sons were currently held prisoner. I have so many typos in that sentence, I don't know what the fuck I was doing. I'd be like that sometimes. They, I'd just be typing, and I'm like, I know what it means. And so I just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it. It really yeah. got me. Um, <laughs> they So they raid the camp with a bunch of people. They free his sons and take 23 prisoners. Wade went awesome. Nice. Uh, dude, 30 versus... 23 and they just took them all that's every single one of them yeah that's insane that's crazy like that's not overwhelming numbers no you know for an offense like you're especially especially came in a raid like that usually like in like the army you're supposed to fight three to one like you're yeah yeah you don't fight if there's not three to one odds in your favor he didn't have three to one yeah he was like i am the three to one bitch yeah So in retaliation to this, a Missouri company of pro-slave assholes head to Oswatomie to kill abolitionists. On the outskirts of town, they run into Brown's son and kill him. Damn. Tough. Uh, Brown, with only 40 men, rallies a defense and scatters the raider. Uh, They kill a shitload of people at that part. The raiders were not ready for an organized defense. They dismount, reorganize, and run after Brown as he and his merry band flee into the woods across the Marais de Sig River, and they lose a single man in the process. Brown survives, but Osawatomie burned at the Missourian's hand. I'll be deep in the cold (laughs) ground before I recognize Missouri. Yes, sir. Um, sure, the town burned, uh, but Brown killed and injured like 60 people and didn't die. God so damn. he got national attention. Dude, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they were like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, good lord. John's lost a son, seen a town burn, watched a senator get his ass beat, and has killed many a slaver uh, with a sword. And he wants more. He wants definitive action. He wants to take the initiative and so he can cock a plan. He gets 21 men together, 16 white and 5 black, that's all he had to get get together, changes his name, and hides in a small cabin in Maryland. He gets 200 rifles from the northern abolitionist groups, and he places an order with a blacksmith for 950 pikes uh, that he planned to give to freed slaves that wouldn't have gun experience. Fair. He did this all under the cover of starting a mining operation, which the locals eat up because they're common folk of the dirt. Yeah. They, have, they just don't know better. Yeah. Uh, and it had been talked about a lot in the area that it would be cultivated. Um, and he, But he's doing all of this as quietly as possible. Uh, John tried to recruit as many... Yeah, take notes, Daniel Bunyai. <laughs> so different. Uh, John tried to recruit as many people as he could, especially black freedmen. He had a meeting with Frederick Douglass himself to try to get him to act as a liaison, but Frederick was like, nah, but also your mission is a suicide yeah. mission. And he's like, anyway. Fuck it. Uh, at that meeting, <laughs> he did get Shields Green, an escaped slave who lived with Douglass to go with him, but Green also knew it was a suicide mission. 
John's goal was to arm rebel slaves over time, nor really scare the slavers. He believed that it would be a great success, and he expected between on the first night, two and five hundred slaves to join him on his first night of action. He thought the night, the success would beget more success, and he would use growing momentum to roll down the south, free more slaves, and kill slavers. That was his grand plan. A man can dream. Awesome. A man I mean, can damn. dream, dude. Uh, yeah, oh, I was God. like, that's a big dream. Yeah, yeah. It's a big dream. 200 rifles and pikes to do that, but, you know, that's his dream. So, I did say that I would love an alternate history of this as a movie i'm like when john Dude, brown's yeah. plan worked yeah. that'd be a sick fucking movie in the meantime they kept the men inside only came out uh at night to drill you know they you know did everything as secretly as possible and they waited on su- sunday october 16th 1859 around 11 p.m john left three men behind while the rest went into the town of harper's ferry virginia he had a detachment go to capture the grandnephew of George Washington. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And I was like, God damn it. Jesus. Uh, Colonel Lewis Washington. Uh, they freed his slaves. Fuck you, dude. Fuck you and George Washington. Uh, and they took also a couple George Washington relics because they're like, That's badass. Yeah. George Washington. Yeah. Uh, the other men went on to capture the armory in town. They cut the telegraph line into and out of town. There was a single watchman at the armory who was kindly forced to give up his keys. And then Brown just sat there and waited for the slaves to show up. Damn. Yeah, he he tried to spread the word, but he believed, and he talked with people and told them what he was going to do. He talked with slaves. Slaves were like, amazing plan. Thank you for doing this. And he just sat there and waited for them to come. John would later call this his one mistake. Uh, he thought one. When you hear the story, it's yeah. awesome that he yeah. says that. He thought that he should have um, let it go on without stopping. Uh, so the train went on at dawn. Es- Wait, oh shit! I just fucked up my notes there. Never mind. I'm that. Ignore that. That wasn't his one mistake. Okay. Uh, there, I, I skipped a paragraph. So anyway, a free black man ran into the Browns Raiders at the bridge and thought that they were robbers. So he ran away. They shot him in the back. First casualty of the free slave movement was a freed slave. What? Bit of a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, later, uh, a train goes through town and it gets stopped in town after a night watchman gave them a warning. Brown boarded the train for an hour and just talked with everybody and then let the people stay at a nearby hotel until sunrise because it was too cold to sit in the train. And the engineer didn't want to move at night because he thought something could be wrong with the train tracks or they would kill him. Yeah, fair. Um, so he's like, I want to go in the day. He's like, fine, just go sleep in the hotel. This was what John called his one mistake, which I thought was crazy. Uh, he said that he should have just let the train go. They shouldn't have stopped it and like may- not given any word. So the train went on at dawn, escorted personally by John Brown because the engineer was scared shitless yeah. they were going to kill him. And John's like, don't yeah. shoot him. He's walking <laughs> with the train. Don't shoot him. Don't. Yeah. Once uh, the train station, or once the train got to the next train station, they had a working telegraph. The message was sent up the line, then back down because they didn't believe it, and then back up when it did get confirmed eventually. Uh, the railroad president telegraphed a general, a governor, and James Buchanan himself because rich people could just do, do that, that shit yeah. back then. The railroad president's like, oh, my heavens, I must yeah. contact the entire federal yeah. government. Fuck? <laughs> um, so... The As the armory employees arrived for work, they were taken hostage, roughly 60 to 70 people. 
nearby militia start pouring into town. Uh, Brown stayed, expecting thousands of slaves to arrive to help him. Uh, by noon, any chance of escape was irrevocably stopped as his men lost control of the only two bridges out of where he was. The militias force Brown and his raiders into a stone building that they fortify and start shooting out of. Um, four townspeople, including the mayor, are killed, and eight militia men are wounded. Badass. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. They got the mayor. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the militia was super ragtag bunch of good old boys and not good at their job and most of them got very drunk and so now the militia is a bunch of drunk yeah dudes. i mean but the drunk missouri yeah hill missouri hill. fucking hill people dude that's what i mean if you're gonna go on an old-fashioned raid uh you gotta get drunk doing it i guess yeah I, if i was gonna do a raid like that i'd probably do some blow yeah oh yeah i, I would drunk it drunk is sounds awful sounds awful i would never I would never risk the sway. Oh, yeah, that's no. Huh? Yeah. Uh, so Brown sends out a couple of his sons with a white flag. Uh, they shoot one right off the rip because they're dirty Missouri traders, and he dies 24 hours later. The other son was also shot but doesn't die, and they take him prisoner. This other man tries to escape through the river. They just kill him. Damn. Uh, more shooting happens. Brown loses another son. Jesus. Like, <sighs> Bro, your whole lineage like, is getting wiped out other- right here. Whole, all I'm ever reading about James Brown is his kids. Yeah, dying. yeah. Um, James Buchanan himself calls out uh, the closest that he could find was a local contingent of federal troops led by Robert E. Lee. I, no shit, ew. dude. What like, the fuck? Fuck. It's the who's who. Yeah. God damn. Everyone in the James John Brown story. I I saw that and I was like, holy shit. That's fucking bananas. Uh, and Ro- the lieutenant who was with him uh, was also became a major in the Confederate Army. Like, two of the most foremost uh, Confederate officers were here to raid John Brown personally. Jesus Christ. Uh, by coincidence, though. That's I mean, insane. Yeah, yeah. That's I know. Still it's, bananas. It's nuts. Yeah. Um, I think it makes... I don't know. I'm like, Robert E. Lee, you're such a bitch. Yeah, you're dude. such a little like, fucking you, bitch boy. You saw John Brown do that, and you still... You still were like, no, we need slaves. Yeah. Like, that's the move. So they show up and take control. Uh, the, they, do offer, <laughs> they do offer the militia the opportunity to attack the house first. And they're like, nah. Yeah. You guys, I mean, do you want to go in and attack the house? Or you want us to try to, like, resolve like, this? You know, they're a bunch of handy men in the 1800s. They start hacking things to pieces. They start fortifying the house. Like, it, they tried to, like, hack in at one point, And they couldn't yeah. because of what they did to that. Like this is like an op, and they're like militia. You want to give it a whirl? And they're like, no. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> they, killed, they killed the mayor. Yeah. Uh, so the marines decide they'll do it. Uh, they bust in through a door and start swinging. John shoots a marine, badass, nice. and another sabers him in the back of the neck. He tried to chop his fucking head in half, Jesus but John moved and he got him uh, in the neck. Uh. Um, then he tried to stab him but it was a saber uh so it didn't have a point and it fucking bent in half i was like oh (laughs) shit (laughs) because i didn't know sabers were that dog shit at that um two raiders were killed awesome brown was uh, wounded before and after he surrendered and everyone else was taken prisoner his trial was all states charges out of virginia because buchanan did not want the feds involved in prosecuting this he thought it would bring too much analyst 
abolitionist protest, and he wanted to placate Southern slaveholders by letting Virginia really give them the books. Um, and just in case you don't know, James Buchanan is often cited as the worst president in U.S. history. He was always chose the most tepid, both-side solution that just pissed off the abolitionists. <laughs> and when Brown was caught, Buchanan blamed him for almost bringing the country to war. What? He was like, how could you do this? Yeah. It's slavery, Yeah, what do you guy. mean? Buchanan also conveniently only ever chose to persecute abolitionists in the interest of peace. You know, he's you like... You don't say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, seriously. And, yeah, it's he's fucking dog shit. Uh, Brown was charged with murder, inciting a slave insurrection, and treason against the state of Virginia. His lawyers argued he's not from Virginia. You can't treason yeah, against Virginia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. That one seems flimsy, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was found guilty and sentenced to death. Brown was stoked. He called it the happiest days of his life because he knew that his death would be a massive blow to the slaveocracy powers. Virginia law stated that he had one month before execution. That people, the slaveholders, wanted to push it up because they didn't want to risk John Brown speaking to anybody. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the governor at the time was like, "Oh, we'll have a thousand John Browns if I kill this guy too." Yeah, fast. too so early. Yeah. They give him his one month, and he uses every fucking second of it to publicize his views and correspond widely. He and write hundreds of letters. There were many plans to free him by his friends, and you, I'm sure they could have pulled it off, but Brown yeah. refused. He refused. He's like, my death is more valuable as a martyr. There were many plans, uh, but he said, he said at the age of 59 years old, he was so close to death and too old to live life as a fugitive that it was more valuable to him to die now. And I was like, what? 59 years old, 59. dude. I mean, 59 back then is like 98 today. That's what yeah, I was saying. Yeah. So, you know, like you marry a 23-year-old and you're like half, you're almost half dead at yeah, that point. It's yeah. crazy. Um, and, but I did think that was so funny. I was like, John Brown, you are clearly a virile, healthy man. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think you're... You got stabbed um, in the so, neck, dude, and like and you're, lived. yeah, and lived, lived in these times. And That's while crazy. He fought, you know, and yeah. he fought and killed. Uh, he was convinced that he would do the most good being hung. Victor Hugo, writer of Les Mis, a publicly appealed for John Brown's pardon. Just to throw in another weird, crazy stranger. Victor Hugo is like, oh yeah, absolutely, I gotta get on this. Um, and he personally warned that execution would lead to civil war. He was ready. <laughs> Uh, on December 2nd, 1859, John Brown was scheduled to hang. His last words were, I, John Brown, am now quite certain that the crimes of this guilty land will never be purged away but with blood. I had, as I now think, vainly flattered myself that without very much bloodshed, it might be done. I'm like, oh my god, before you die, yeah. he's like, oh, we're yeah. just gonna have to do more yeah, killing, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that is so fucking hard. Yeah, hard, enough. hard. It was like, it was stupid to think that I couldn't kill more. Yeah, I, I that, like, that I could get I could get through this with minimal violence. We need maximum violence. Um, After the Senate opened an investigation that was... Uh, so, I mean, he was hung. He's, yeah. He's dead. So yeah. after the Senate opened an investigation that was so bitter, at one point a filthy Southerner attacked Thaddeus Stevens, an abolitionist senator, with a bowie knife. So much stabbing yeah. and fighting you in gotta. the Senate back then. Yeah, you gotta. It's the good old days. Yeah. Stand up for what you believe in. Yeah. John Brown did nothing wrong. 
Um, John's uh, John Brown's attack deeply scared Southern slave owners and inspired them to revise their clearly very shitty militia system into forming what was the bones of the Confederate Army. So kind of a bum skis on that. Yeah. Uh, Republicans tried to distance themselves from Brown because remember it was swapped at the time. Yeah. And uh, but many Northern abolitionists considered him a martyr. Uh, my favorite quote of all of this was by Frederick Douglass. Um, De- Frederick Douglass believed that, quote, Brown's, Brown's zeal in the case of my race was far greater than mine. It was as the burning sun to my taper light. Mine was bounded by time. His stretched away to the boundless shores of eternity. I could live for the slave, but he could die for him. Damn. I was like, oh, Damn. wow. Damn. I mean, and it's just... Uh, it would be less than a year after his death that the first Southern state seceded, and the United States engaged in civil war. And then they lost. And then the fucking Confederacy lost. Losers. losers, dude. Fucking John losers. John Brown didn't do anything wrong. He just started the war. Yeah. And then you guys got your dick kicked in, fucking nerds, absolute dweebs. It, dude, I, John Brown is incredible. Yeah. I mean, I would like so legit, so real. Get a time machine, so real. go back and give John Brown an AR15. Be like, you oh. you, <laughs> <laughs> you can take just, you can here, take on nations. Of Max, just yeah, don't ask yeah. questions. <laughs> Here's a crate of 556. Five, oh, wait, at Harper's Ferry. Yeah, way. yeah, don't, yeah, don't do not stay there. You need to keep moving. Um damn, dude, that is there what is a, a book. I I read this one book called uh it sounds horrible. It's called Guns of the South. It was where Russians went back in time to give the South AK-47s, oh. um, and it's pretty brutal. But it's it's a really interesting, um, and it's it's not pro-slavery at all. It's actually the ultimate point of the book is that even with fucking AKs, the South was always going to fucking lose. Yeah. Um, and uh, th- it's a pretty good book, but yeah, the just I can't fucking believe. John Brown was real, dude. I dude, mean, yeah. It's like, it, dude, is out of a fucking it was a full, book. Like, that's why I love that that uh, painting of him. You know, I feel like it. I feel like it does a good job of depicting him. Him being know? a fucking just a wild, wild man who believed. Looks like a mountain. Yeah, you know? an absolute like fucking yeah, mountain. yeah. Who fucking fought for what he believed in with as much violence as he could muster. We respect that. And he shot at Robert E. Lee. Yeah, fuck, yeah, super sick, dude. <laughs> super sick. He was um, shooting at Robert E. Lee before it was cool. Yeah, before it was cool to shoot at Robert E. Lee. Um, yeah, that's a good story, though. That's fucking that's dude. John Brown, one of the probably one of the most relentless human beings on the planet. Yeah, it is true. That is, I I will uh, back that absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, what's your recommendation for the week? Uh, recommendation. I'm trying to think. I haven't really been. I haven't really been ingesting really any media except that book. So, uh, The Dark Force. Yeah, I haven't really watched any movies. I haven't watched really any shows. Damn, that's consuming. Uh, right yeah, yeah. It's really been it's all nice. I've been listening it's good, to. Isn't it? Yeah, it's tight. It's badass. So, yeah, go read The Dark Force. It's fucking. But read The Three yeah, Body yeah, Problem you're first. On the second book now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That counts as a new recommendation. Uh-huh. Um,. I don't remember if I recommended it, but we're at the end. We're at the end. We have two episodes left of Fringe after five oh, okay. seasons. Four seasons of 22 episodes and one of 12. Um, and it was awesome. It was great. It's been awesome. I mean, I, unless they really shit the bed on the ending, it, yeah. I highly recommend it. I, I am surprised that it doesn't get talked about more. It seems like it's just so 
quality, and I've never seen a show like like it advanced. I mean, the whole thing is an arc. The whole thing is an arc. Yeah, I've and, never heard of it until you talked about it. I mean, so. yeah, it's crazy, yeah. and it has like it, the whole thing's an arc. The story progresses, the characters progress. They change the setting. They change. I mean, everything. You know, they change the characters. Like yeah. it's it's. I mean, I have never. I've seen very few shows do what this show does, and. It's all this really neat, cool sci-fi that's actually really well written, and like it never manages to be cheesy. It's great. It's crazy. So I, to, I, I, I can't recommend Fringe it. enough. I, yeah, I think you. Oh, I think you really like it. Yeah, it sounds like it's something. basically like for the for, when it's formulaic for a little bit. Even though it is always progressing an arc, there is you know kind of a format for some of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And that it's basically like if Men in Black had a, a good show it's that's pretty awesome. tight yeah i'm gonna yeah. Have to start watching that it sounds right up my alley yeah right exactly. up my alley um but yeah don't forget to rate review subscribe we'll see you guys next week be safe be kind to others be kind to yourselves love you so much Bye bye